um, evidence that's presented in document 1100.4, um, which at figure 8 um, sets out the um, various different stages. Now, um, 1100.4, the August 2016 document, doesn't address the issue of market signals in detail, um, but that does set out the position in terms of the, the, the process that we've been through with regard to the, um, the different stages of the, the assessment. We took the 2014-based household projections as the starting point. Um, that was the most up-to-date information available at the time. Um, now, Taking that starting point, um, we considered um, the underlying data and whether or not um, the, the 2014 based projections, as is the case um, with the ONS subnational population projections, they're informed by migration trends from a five-year period, so a relatively short-term period. Um, and what was evident in the, the mid-year estimate data is that population growth in particular in the, the end of that five-year period had been exceptionally high. That's illustrated at figure five on page five of document 1100.4. Um, now, factoring in that, um, that relatively high level of growth um, in a five-year trend essentially was assuming that that five-year peak um, would be repeated every five years, so essentially over a, a 22-year period um, that we're looking at, we would have four or five such peaks, whereas that was um, an anomalous peak as far as it's the only peak that had been seen in the last 25 years or so, as you can see in, in that chart. Um, now, on that basis, um, we did move from the, the starting point of the CLG projections and took a 10-year migration average, um, and that was um, taking account of the, the local evidence, um, but also it is something that we have um, routinely sought to do um, with studies because um, it is quite often the case that you are either looking at a peak or a trough in an area. Um, so that's something that, that we have done consistently across all of the various different studies that we've done here, and it's also consistent with the approach that the GLA have argued for um, consistently that a 10-year migration trend is more appropriate um, in regard to um, when planning for housing. Um, now, since the study, um, we have seen the publication, or, or the ONS have published the 2016-based household projections. Um, the household projections are lower um, than the previous 2014-based projections, and the primary reason for that in this area is to do with household formation rates. Um, if you go and take the 2016-based projections um, but consider the previous 2014-based household formation rates, which the government um, is seen to favour in, in terms of its response to the technical consultation on the new MPPF, um, they yield a household number for the housing market area that is almost identical to the number that we're working with in the SHMA. Um, now, evidently, we could go and do a lot more work because we've got a lot more data so we could go and start again and produce a lot of new numbers. Um, you have to go and take a, a view that you draw a line at some point. 
Um, and whilst we talked about this with the council, um, we looked at the data and on balance we felt that looking at the longer term micro firms who didn't have to keep updating um, all the time. It is a more stable number. And with regard to the headship rates, or the formation rates rather, um, they do show a lower rate of formation. Um, but if we go back to the previous rates, we'd end up in the same place um, as, as we were at anyway. And if we were to adopt um, lower household formation rates, then there's an argument that there's greater household suppression and therefore we need a bigger market signals uplift to so end up in, in largely the same place as we would have been anyway. So we haven't, I mean, PPG says we should use the latest data, um, but it does go and also say that um, if, that we need to look at where there's a meaningful change in the housing number um, and on balance we don't think that there would be a meaningful change though we haven't done all of the additional work to, to, to come to that as a firm conclusion but um, our judgment is that um, the evidence that we've got is, is still appropriate a lower number but then the, the um, uplifts and things that would be required would kind of get you back to the same I think, point, I think that's the there would be arguments for you having yes. to go and put in a larger uplift because there is a greater amount of, um, of suppressed formation yes. being built in, into the data. Um, I mean, if we, I mean, evidently there are other things that you, we, we would need to look at. Um, I mean, the 2016 based projections are still based upon um, five year migration trends. We'd need to look at how that factored in terms of five year versus 10 year trends. Um, there are some substantive differences, important differences, between the 2016 and the 2014 based projections, um, in particular with regard to um, mortality rates. The ONS is now forecasting that we will continue to live longer, but are, are slightly less optimistic than they were as to how much longer we're going to be living. <laughs> um, so there are a greater number of deaths um, in, in the new data, and that does make a substantive difference because um, older people tend to be more likely to live alone, and therefore they have a bigger impact on the housing number. Um, so there are sort of a, a number of nuances that, that would need to be considered there, um, and in particular with regard to that older population, they tend to not be economically active, and therefore they don't impact on the jobs worker balance, but it does impact on the housing number. Um, so I'm not saying that you, you wouldn't get um, some, the potential for some difference, um, but on balance, I think that the numbers we've got are, are, are broadly of, of, of the right order. Thank you. That's really helpful. Does anybody... Oh, we've got two people. Mr. MacDonald and Mr. Young. I don't know who wants to go first. Ken okay, MacDonald. Um, I'm a local resident. Uh, I've lived in Atos for most of my life. Uh, chartered accountant, which is why I came into this, because I was concerned about some of the numbers. So uh, today is a numbers day, I think, and um, appropriate, hopefully, for me to speak. Um, I was not anticipating that we would take question three with uh, 2A, but um, basically I'm talking about question three, I think, in response to Mr. Lee's um, comments. Um, and I, I wish to refer initially to the um, atypical base period that has been used in the Shmar. Um, the exceptional nature of inward migration to the area during this period is apparent from figure uh, from the 2015 Shmar, figure 29, that's on page 37. Uh, so there was an exceptional nature of immigration, particularly into Uttlesford. Uttlesford's population growth over the last three decades, and I refer to three decades, uh, between censuses has been 8%. That was um, from 1991 to 2001. So that's the growth, do you say? That's the growth. It's been eight, an 8% 8 growth in that 
10-year period. Um, sorry, that was to 1991. It was a 4% growth to 2001 and a 15% growth to 2011. And that was due to an exceptional period of house building in four localities in the early 2000s, between 2001 and 2011. That change was due to exceptional house building, which was brought about by the government's approval for the expansion of Stansted Airport. And at the same time, the government, I think, imposed upon Uttlesford the requirement to build a lot of houses to, to cope with the expected influx of workers at Stansted Airport. And Uttlesford approved four major house building um, programs in, in the 1990s, which were actually constructed in the, between 2001 and 2011, to that, constructed and occupied. And that brought that dramatic increase in population that arose between 2001 and 2011, far more than had ever happened before in Uttlesford. Yet that hasn't been taken into account. Um, and the Regulation 19 draft assumes that from now on we're going to grow at 17% per decade. And the highest that we've had in recent times was 15% in the decade to 2011. Uh, when you quoted documents, you didn't quote one that I'd sent you with my... Um, response to Regulation 19, and that was a chart that ORS produced on a draft of the Schmar. Um, so I'm not quite, I don't, I don't know what you've referred it, how you've referred to it, but it was attached to my response. I'll find it, just a second. My response has been labelled PSLP 639. Yeah, but is it on your, oh, your regulation 19? My regulation right, 19. Right, sorry, I was looking at your statement. I submitted a couple of documents as evidence with that submission. We'll just have to... Um, do you want to carry on talking yes, while please. we find it? Yeah. Um, so probably other people haven't got this document because it's not... A a core document to the examination is it? it's a document that you that I submitted with my regulation and it's not item. it's not attached to one of these um, I don't, that I don't believe so no right, okay. but what it was it was a doc, it was a page within the draft schmar and um, it was it was presented by ORS in a presentation in September 2014 which is where I picked it up from but by the time that hit the schmar 2015 they dropped the first 10 years of that chart. So the, the chart that appears in the Schmar uh, tends to overstate the rate of population growth because it ignores the first 10 years when they were it was relatively modest. So I go back to what I just said, that the, the population growth over the preceding 30 years, um, up to 2011, ran at um, uh, 8%, 4%, then 15%, 15% being the exceptional period. Now, I understand that somebody should have taken account, had the opportunity to take account of exceptional demographic movements, and the council chose not to. Um, I don't think they positively chose not to, but they chose not to. And, and ORS failed to spot that 
there was an exceptional growth in population and, and failed to deal with it. Um, I'm just referring to my, my submission and trying to pick out salient bits rather than repeat all of it. The RS approach appears to follow the standard mathematical routine without ever asking anybody if the numbers were out of line. And sadly, UDC do not appear to have um, had any input into RS's work to suggest that there were local factors that should be taken into account. Um, it, it became painfully obvious to me that UDC had virtually no input whatsoever into our ORS's work, which was managed by Epping Forest District Council. And a lot of what I have to say, and I've got quite a lot to say today, relates to uh, the numbers, the number crunching exercise and how badly, in my view, it was done. Um, but that's the first point, that an atypical period was used when it was more appropriate to use a typical period, either by doing some sort of adjustment to that starting 10 years or to take it for a longer period. And and choosing between five years and ten years was neither here nor there, but both of those were in that very high period, period of building for the airport. Is that all your points? That's, that's my... Right, at this point. In under the, this point. Uh, that's yeah. my first point under this point. I'd, I'd like to make a, a second point under this point. Um, what I've just been talking about is my item B in my long submission. Um, if you want to refer back to the detail of what I've just been talking about. But I, I also want to talk about my point E um, in my long submission. And that's the, the oversimplistic approach to, to migration. Um, I've talked about the choice of an atypical base period, but also an oversimplistic over approach to um, migration. Paragraph 3.19 in the, the 2015 Schmar highlights the exceptional migration into Uttlesford during the 10 years from 2001 to 2011, when there was an increase of 9,000 in the population of, of Uttlesford, whilst the, gain in the, the net gain in the other three districts totaled only 2,000, only 2,200. So it was clear from, from that that there was something strange going on in Uttlesford, which then was not taken into account. The Schmar focuses on comparing overall figures but does not consider or even mention the area's biggest employment site, Stansted Airport, and its impact on population, um, which is perhaps why we've ended up with just a a standard calculation rather than thinking, thinking about it. The airport um, was only running at 2 million passengers a year in 1992 and that increased to 12 million by 2001 and to 24 million by 2007. So that was clearly having a massive impact on the number of jobs locally and potentially on the, the level of um, population locally. And that's just been ignored. So that, that's my two pennies on this particular aspect. Thank you. Mr. Young, do you want to speak? 
Obviously, if people have the same points, then you, know, you don't need no, to go no, over. No, they don't. They don't. We've, um, we've mentioned that yesterday because of the number of people that are at the table. I, um, I thought you were going to take two altogether, so if you permit me, I would want to speak on B and C as well when, they, when, they, when we get to them. When we get to them, yes. Yeah, we'll try and keep them in sort of discrete areas because of different yes. Thank you. matters. Yeah. Um, my name is Mike Young. I speak as an individual. I am not personally affected by any of the proposed developments, so hopefully I have no vested interest to pursue. I became involved almost four years ago when I saw some strange figures being quoted. And as a chartered accountant, this, this sort of thing disturbs and motivates me. In my previous submissions, I've made clear that I don't agree with the calculation of housing need. And I have submitted detailed arguments and calculations, but this is not the environment to go through detailed arithmetic and calculations. I would simply ask that they are studied. In particular, I would ask that you look at the comparison between Epping and Uttlesford. Every single government forecast has Epping needing 20 or 25% more in housing growth than Uttlesford. But all the figures Uttlesford have produced show Uttlesford needing more. I've asked that question for almost four years and I'm still waiting for an answer. But if I come on to the main point I wish to make, the timing of this submission means that the old 2012 NPPF applies. This requires that the most up-to-date evidence is used. Paragraph 158 is the reference. So the most up-to-date evidence must be used. The latest information we have is the 2016-based household projections that was issued by ONS, the Office for National Statistics, in September last year. But because of timings, the figures for housing need being used are based on the out-of-date 2014 household projections. This issue was recently addressed at the Guildford examination, where the same considerations applied. There, the inspector agreed that the latest projections must be used, and the housing figure requirement was reduced accordingly. In his final report, issued in March 2019, and I'll just quote the last two sentences, uh, the reference here is MM2, which is a main modification that reduced the numbers. In his last two paragraphs, he stated, as such, the Council's latest housing figure in MM2, the reduced figure, is an up-to-date assessment of housing need based on several inputs in accordance with the policy framework appropriate for transitional plans. In consequence, it does not conflict with the letter or the spirit of the revised NPPF. So I could just summarise. We are not using the most up-to-date figures as is required by the 2012 NPPF, which applies. As Inspector Ingilford made clear in his final statement in March this year, this is the correct approach. I would ask that an exercise needs to be carried out to establish the correct and appropriate figure and I would submit that hopefully a main modification could be issued accordingly. Thank you.
Thank you. I'll ask Mr Starr to speak and then we'll come back and deal with a few points at once. Mr Starr. Uh, thank you. Dan Starr for We Are Residents. Um, in our representations, we also express concerns about the uh, validity of the uh, objective assessed need. Um, we said the scale of housing appears to be proportionally much greater than almost anywhere else in the country. It's not clear that it's justifiable. We just heard from Mr Young about uh, Epping Forest and the anomaly there. Um, over the last eight years, our assessed need has nearly doubled from 338 a year up to where it is now. Um, we just heard about some concerns about the validity of the numbers and in the evidence submitted during the reps, errors in calculation uh, as well. Um, I think that uh, the March inspector decision in Guildford is quite important uh, because it uses the 2016 projections. Um, that reduction in household projections also applies to Uttlesford. If the drop in household projections creates an inspector-supported reduction in Guildford, it seems logical that it would do it here too. Yesterday there are a lot of discussions about uh, the scale and ambition of three new settlements in a district uh, and also discussions at the end of the day about the permutations of one, two, three existing settlements, how all those could be looked at. A reduction in numbers driven by a, a reduction in household projections may have a significant impact on the ambition and scale of new settlements and have a significant impact on how this local plan is shaped and how the housing supplies are short. Housing supplies are short. Ten minutes ago, the council said they thought the newer, lower household projections would not reduce the housing need, but they, quotes, haven't done all the work to come to that conclusion. The objectively assessed need is pivotal to this plan. The numbers must be well evidenced, and the work needs to be done to reach that conclusion. We'd very much like the inspectors to consider asking the district council to do the work on the lower household projections in light of all the above, particularly the Guildford decision, and consider a modification to the plan if they reach the conclusion that the objectively assessed housing numbers are lower. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to comment on some of those points? Um. <coughs> yes. Um, just to pick up... Pick the key sort of areas that... Um, I mean, I keep it relatively high level. The primary objective um, of the Strategic Housing Market Assessment was to meet the requirements of the 2012 MPPF, which is to establish the full objectively assessed need for market and affordable housing in the housing market area. So whilst, um, obviously, within that we are looking at the individual districts, um, the primary objective of the SHMA was to consider the housing market area as a whole um, and whilst we have produced numbers for um, the individual areas, um, it's not those numbers necessarily that have been responsible for the distribution of, of, of housing across the area. That was based upon um, further work that was then subsequently done. And what we see, um, as was noticed, is that Epping Forest's number is lower than the, the number we had in the SHMA. Harlow's number is higher. Now, that isn't um, based upon a, a formal redistribution of unmet need. It is simply the best way to meet the needs across the housing market area based upon that further work. So I think it's just important to recognise that whilst we produced numbers and whilst we considered Uttlesford, it was part of a larger assessment in line with the MPPF. 
Turning firstly to the issues with regard to migration, we did note um, that the Atlasford rates of migration had increased um, quite markedly um, as a consequence of the, the, the growth that stands to the airport, and that had contributed to a um, number of years where migration had been consistently higher than had over the longer-term historic position. Um, we also recognise that PPG um, at paragraph 17, um, so that's a reference to A17 um, of the, the, the guidance that went with the previous MPPF, went and identified explicitly that issues would vary across areas in terms of the, the household projections, but um, areas of, of large housing development such as an urban extension in the last five years was something that was specifically referenced as something we might have to, need to have regard to. Um, so it, it wasn't that we were blind to this, um, we, we took account of it. But the 2015 SHMA concluded that based upon the demographic projection with the migration assumptions that we had taken would not yield sufficient workers for the jobs that we were seeking to align to. Now, um, at that time, whilst we could have um, taken a few, well, well, we need to, to look at reducing that, that trend migration, it would just leave us a bigger shortfall in terms of, of the jobs numbers. Um, so we didn't think that it was something that was worth pursuing, that we have um, a, a substantive argument about um, reducing migration because of the, the, the recent house building, um, for then the number to be put back up again because we had a shortfall of workers. Um, now, moving to the, the more recent work that, that we did, we did get to a position that, based upon the trend of migration, when we took the more recent trends from 2005 to 15, um, that we had broad alignment between jobs and workers. We had a small surplus of workers within those figures. Um, but again, the issues of migration and the need for alignment with the assumptions taken um, with London and Mr. Thicket in his report for further alterations to the London plan identified that um, the migration assumptions that the GLA were taking about London would be material consideration in the surrounding areas. Um, again, we didn't feel that it was appropriate for us to be seeking, us to be seeking lower migration numbers because that would introduce inconsistencies with London. So it's not that we were blind to the issue. Um, it is something that obviously has a, 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 a more substantive impact on, on Atlasford than the other areas, um, but across the housing market area as a whole, we considered that it was the appropriate um, assumption to be taken in the context of, of the assessment more generally. Um, in terms of um, the differential between Epping and, and Atlasford, Epping Forest um, does have higher household projections. Its housing numbers are lower um, because it has more constraints. Um, and then in, in terms of the, the, the numbers having doubled, um, I think that that is um, really coming down to the, the, what is being required or, or what's being required with the advent of the MPPF 2012 initially and um, more recently the changes. Obviously the basis upon which the numbers are being calculated has changed and as a consequence the numbers have changed. What we are saying is that the work that we have done is um, fully compliant and consistent with um, the the needs and the requirements of PPG um, relating to MPPF 2012 um, and that was um, endorsed by Christine Thorpe when she inspected the East Hearts plan based on exactly the same evidence.
Madam, can I just add just two yeah. brief comments? One, uh, a point obviously which I'm sure you're very well familiar with, uh, from the applicable PPG, uh, the advice, it's ID2A paragraph 014, just a general remark where it says establishing future need for housing is not an exact science. No single approach will provide a definitive answer. Uh, so that's the, the first general point, and obviously you're well aware of that in terms of judgments have to be made along the way. Yes. Uh, and the question is, does it feel right effectively when you get to the end of the exercise? Second point, which is um, perhaps more uh, um, factually based, so far as the Guildford example which has been referred to, um, it, it would be, I think, wrong to go away with the impression that the Guildford inspector required the local authority to use the 2016-based household projections and said in his report that that must be done. That is not what happened in Guildford. In Guildford, the local authority took the view that they would adjust their figures to reflect the 2016-based household projections that gave rise to representations being made. The inspector obviously then had to adjudicate on those arguments. And the inspector reached a conclusion that what they had done was an appropriate way of dealing with matters, but was not saying effectively, it is prescriptive, you can only do it in one way and you must do it the way that you have done it. So that's the... And presumably the there was individual circumstances well, there, uh, as there is always yeah. different in different yeah. authorities. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not inviting you, in a sense, to go into a compare and contrast with Guildford, no, but it's just the, just the overall point that it would be wrong to say that that's an example of an inspector, as it were, mandating yes. that you must do it in a particular way, because that's not what the Guildford inspector uh, did do. Thank you. There was, just let me think, there was another... Point. Oh, one of the criticisms levelled was that the council hadn't spoken to ORS during the process of, um, that's not my understanding of how normally it works, but can you just confirm that there was a sort of a dialogue going on? Yes, definitely. Um, we had a steering group um, which we met periodically throughout the original project and we've met um, on a number of occasions since as we've done the various update work. Um, that original project I think was led by Epping Forest um, but the steering group had representatives from all of the district councils on it um, and we, we met at officer level and we also met with members um, from each of the authorities as part of the process. So you talked about you know, the sort of assumptions you were making, the decisions you were making along the way. Yeah. You didn't sort of just do the report and hand it over and say that's... No, and I mean, it, it is something that evidently evolved over time insofar as when we did the first study, we were going back to probably 2014 that we um, started the work um, and at that time, the MPPF had only recently been introduced. PPG possibly hadn't even been published, or it had very recently been yeah. published. And the various challenges and case law that has sort of subsequently evolved um, was something that we were very acute to and that, that we sought to, to discuss and agree, because fundamentally what we were seeking to do is to put forward a study that would be found sound as, as an appropriate evidence base um, for the, the plan-making process. Thank you. Does anybody want to make any further comments? I can't see everybody's nameplate, so no. Okay. So that takes us to two B, which is market signals. So 
I think there was quite a lot of um, people commenting on that. So the council said the figure, uh, the council applied a figure of 14%. That's kind of fluxed a little bit over the years in various iterations. I, I think of the uh, Shemar, and that's what I understand was agreed at um, East, East Hearts, wasn't it? The, uh, which was covered by the same area. Um, from the representations I've read, those statements and things, quite a lot of people are saying that figure should be higher than 14%. I think there were a few people that said it should be lower. Um, so that's kind of what I've gleaned from it. Some people are happy. So if anybody wants to speak on that matter. I'll just take Mr Dixon. Thank you, ma'am. <coughs> Excuse me. And thank you for your introduction. I've crossed off the first two lines of what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> picking up from what you did say, though, um, we accept the position that was agreed in East Hearts as it was agreed. However, this is not East Hertfordshire, and it's not simply a question of what was found acceptable somewhere else is acceptable here. ORS say, um, or rather UDC say in power 2.9 of their statement, that the 14% increase on household projections, but it's more importantly, the figure proposed is a 69% increase on the historic supply. That's not an objective basis for determining the OAN for the next local or for the new local plan period. The council also says that the primary reason for the 2016 lower household projections is lower household formation rates. <coughs> if we refer back to the PPG that we are using for the purposes of this examination, that says, and I'll give you the ID reference to allow you to read it in full later, it's ID 2A slash 015 dash 2014-0306. That says the household formation rates might be affected by historic undersupply or worsening affordability. And I think those points are points of principle that are generally accepted. In terms of historic supply, the figure that the council was working to previously was a policy on figure. And over the past 10 years, the average delivery of housing has been less than the figure that is now proposed as a lower step, let alone the figure that's proposed as an annual average. So there's clearly been a level of supply over the past 10 years that, is low, that has been lower than the council now accepts is required. In terms of affordability ratios, the latest affordability ratio for Uttlesford is 13.37. That's higher than any of the others in the surrounding area. Harlow is 9.49, Braintree is 10.17, South Cambridgeshire is 10.25, and even Cambridge is 12.95. And I know I'm rattling those off, but I know you no, know I've where got to the find key points, them. Yes. In other words, Uttlesford's less affordable than Cambridge. I am fully aware that this examination is being conducted under the 2012 MPPF and the guidance that associates with that. However, by way of a sensitivity test, if one were to undertake the standard method for calculating housing need in Uttlesford, we now have an uncapped requirement to increase the household projections by 
even if we had undertaken that calculation in 2011, the base date for the plan, it would have been 37%. The affordability within the affordability ratio within Uttlesford has increased from 10.03 to 13.37 simply over the part of the plan period we've already had. Yet Uttlesford propose, and I'm also aware that market signals is a slightly subjective element of calculating the OAN, Uttlesford proposed just 14% in the least affordable area in the locality. We have proposed in our representations, which were written several years ago, a figure of 60%. Even if we calculated, as I've said, on the basis of the latest government guidance, we'd be at 37 to 58%. Simply, there appears a huge discrepancy between those figures and the 14% uplift that the Council's proposing. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to come back on those? I think I've certainly asked Mr Lee if we could do so, but could we just clarify from Mr Dixon when he gave those affordability figures, which obviously he said he tripped off. Firstly, could we clarify, was those, were those the median rates or were those the lower quartile rates? Median. Because obviously you'll be aware that under the old PPG that we're operating under, Paragraph, it's ID 2A 019, when it's referring to affordability uh, indicators, specifically refers to the relative affordability. It then refers to the DCLG publishes quarterly the ratio of lower quartile prices to lower quartile earnings for local authority districts. That was the recommended measure under the old PPG. I appreciate it's different under the standard method, but we're, working but we're the under old, the old yes. system. Yeah. Your microphone's gone off. So. That was a clarification point. Then Mr Lee wants to comment perhaps more substantively. Does, it, does anybody have the, Do you have those figures as well, the lower quarter? Um, yes, just to clarify, I was using those figures as the basis of making a point in relation to comparative affordability. Um, one could choose any one of the figures. Um, so I then use those figures to calculate what would be the requirement if we were to do the new way of calculating OAN. However, the point of using those figures was simply to compare Uttlesford to other so authorities in the surrounding area. Yes, exactly. So I accept the point that if we are then stepping sideways and calculating the OAN under the 2012 approach, one would use the figures that um, the councillor suggested we refer to. Thank you. Mr Bedford, do you want to add anything else? Yeah, only, only that, yeah, I mean, that, that's right, it should not be assumed, and I don't want to get into the detail of the figures, but it should yeah. not be assumed that the differences between the two different data sets march in step, no. and actually they don't. <laughs> and I also noticed that Mr uh, Dixon didn't give you the East Hertfordshire comparator in that uh, uh, little list that he gave you. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we're, we're obviously getting into fine grain on, on those points. Yes. Mr Lee, do you want to add anything on? I mean, I think, going back to what I said in response to the previous question, we are um, fundamentally looking at the housing market area, um, and therefore the recommendations that we gave in terms of the uplift applied in Harlow, where the affordability ratios were that much lower, equally to the other areas. Um, 
it is looking at the indicators and affordability is now focused upon under the standard method in isolation, um, whereas the previous approach was to look at a quite a wide basket of indicators. So we were looking at affordability, rents, house prices, overcrowding, homelessness, land prices. I mean, th th there was a, a range of, of, of data. We had to look at the absolute values. We had to look at relative change. Um, we had to look at um, the values for different areas within the housing market area. We had to compare to nationally. We had to compare to um, uh, areas of, of similar economic um, and demographic circumstances. Um, so it was a, a matter of judgment, but it was a judgment that we took for the housing market area as a whole. So it was consistent across And it's area. consistent across the area. And therefore, I think that it is um, that the conclusions reached in East Hertfordshire are, are relevant because they, they were re it, it was relevant to a conclusion for the, the housing market area as a whole. I mean, evidently, housing supply will influence um, migration patterns. And I mean, previously, it's been argued that the, the evidence was, was inflated by historic high levels of supply. Um, the, the supply will vary from year to year, and, and what we are doing is we're seeking to take um, a judgment in terms of, of the um, adjustment necessary. And I think that we have to bear in mind that um, if you're going to build housing, it has to be for someone. Now, that is either... Um, that we are looking to provide housing for more people, so migration rates would increase, but as we've seen, we're already working from a position whereby the migration rates are relatively high based on the, the historic position. So it doesn't seem necessary that, that we need to be looking for a, a considerably higher level of, of, of migration, although we have looked to, at, at the assumptions taken by Greater London Authority and, and, and ensured that we've got consistency there within the, the market signals. The other reason for building more homes is for the same population to live in smaller households. So, um, so the same number of people, but are, are, are more of them able to live in, in their own homes rather than sharing homes. Um, and within the, the paper that we produced at 1100.2 on, on the objectively assessed need, we looked at, well, if we were to take things back to 2001 um, at a point when arguably um, housing affordability was not the issue that it is today, and we looked at, at the, the, the probability of different types of people living in their, their own homes then, then the uplift of 40% would allow us to get back to that position as well as allow for all of the migration. The only other reason to build more housing is to, to have more empty homes. And clearly that's not something that, that we're looking for as an objective. We've assumed that the proportion of, of empty and second homes remains constant across the area. Um, so in terms of the market signals response, it takes account of, of household formation and, and returning that to um, the position before arguably it may have been suppressed or constrained. Um, it takes account of what are relatively high rates of migration and it takes account of existing rates in, in terms of vacancies. Anything more than that, there isn't a, a justification who is it that you're building the, the homes for. And I, and I think that you, you know, we talk about these uplifts, but you have to bear in mind that then there is necessarily um, a relationship between households and housing. Um, and we, we can't break that, that um, and, and consider the, the, the housing number in complete isolation of, of who it is that's going to live in, in those homes. I think the other thing is that whilst we have taken the household formation rates back to 2001, actually there have been quite a lot of demographic changes that are nothing at all to do with the housing market. Um, 
the, the rates of um, higher education participation have changed markedly. Um, the advent of quite a lot of migration from Europe has, has led to households living in quite different circumstances um, to, to what would have gone before. Um, so we are sort of taking a, a relatively um, sort of high level position. We're, we're going back all the way despite the fact that actually there are reasons why those numbers probably are actually lower regardless of, of what you're considering with regard to the housing position. But as I say, it isn't a number plucked from nowhere, it's a number where we've worked through um, and we've concluded that 14% is the appropriate number in the context of what is um, already a, a relatively high level of growth. Mr. MacDonald. I'm sorry, but I'm going to speak for quite a long while again. Um, firstly, I'd like to draw your attention to another document. It's the only other document that I submitted with my um, section, my Re Regulation 19 submission. And uh, with the same um, responses, it was attached to the same um, response as, as I'm now referring to again. Uh, and, and this is a a chart that was produced by ORS in a presentation they gave in September 2014. And this, um, I should refer to almost immediately, the, just, just going back a step, the, the, Schmar, the 2015 Schmar, in my view, its market signals review contains several curious elements and a fundamental error. And this document is related to the fundamental error, which is in the choice of comparators. In this presentation that ORS gave to a project meeting in September 2014, slide number 39 shows that the most criteria for selecting other districts against which to compare the market signals shows that Stevenage and Crawley had the most criteria satisfied. However, this um, slide clearly shows that they were being, they'd misled themselves in that the heading of the slide says initial suggestions based on Harlow. And I can understand them coming up with Stevenage and Crawley as being relevant comparators for Harlow. But that, they're the comparators that they've used for looking at market signals in relation to the whole of the, um, the Schmar four districts. Now, apparently, the reason for selecting these, um, these comparators, or one of the reasons, was the index of multiple deprivation. Uh, it's quoted as a source. And the index of multiple deprivation does indeed put Stevenage and Crawley probably in the same sort of bracket as Harlow in terms of deprivation. Um, they're sort of middle of the road in terms of market, multiple deprivation. But that certainly does not apply to Uttlesford, um, which is towards the top of that league table, least deprived. Um, so it's a very strange thing to compare Uttlesford prices with. So that's my first point. Um, incidentally, I'm referring to my submission section G at the moment on, on market signals. Um, 
there was reference earlier to which quartile should be used. And I'd just like to recall, um, I recall from work that I did some years ago on behalf of Stop Stanford Expansion, um, I kept track of house prices locally for a number of years and that evidence was used, was used at the um, Stanford Airport Public Inquiry in 2007. And during, I'm quoting from my submission, um, between 2002 and 2006, there was a marked difference in changes in house prices in Uttlesford compared with the rest of Essex, with quite a different trend for smaller residential accommodation compared to the trend for the majority of houses. The threat of expansion at the airport appeared to have had a significant dampening effect on prices of the majority of types of dwellings in Uttlesford compared with on that type of uh, I'm sorry I'll start that again the threat of expansion appeared to have a significant dampening effect on prices of the majority of types of dwellings in Uttlesford compared with Essex as a whole while the average price of flats and terraced houses tended to be more closely related to prices in Essex as a whole this suggested that demand for affordable properties was was kept buoyant during this period 2002-2006 was kept buoyant um, by demand from inward migration of airport workers. While any influence from migration failed to counter the fear effect in prices of the majority of properties. This was particularly true in southern Uttlesford which saw the average sale price of detached properties fall by 17% relative to Essex as a whole over that period 2002 to 2006 whilst the average price of flats rose by 5%. So there was a, a great divergence in what was happening with house prices locally compared with any other benchmark, Essex or otherwise. So comments earlier that... Um, uh, any, any comment needs to bear that in mind, that Uttlesford had suffered a, a dramatic reduction in house prices um, during 2002-2006, which probably reversed... Um, after the airport withdrew its application for a second runway. I don't know, I didn't keep figures after that. Whatever value the review of market signals may have, I suggest that these two aspects, um, the choice of comparator and, um, and focus on the lower quartile and the, the airport's impact on prices, cast serious doubt over the validity of the, of the market signals exercise. as if these alone were not sufficiently damning of RRS's conclusions, matters got worse when they sought to explain things to the PPWG, the Uttersford um, planning group that was developing this local plan in January 2016. One of the slides presented to that group, um, slide 17, uh, which referred to market signals, did not encourage confidence in the rationale used by ORS. Sources are not quoted and the thinking appears rather shallow with no account taken of either the Harlow influence on averages or the effect of the threat of Stansted expansion on house prices. ORS appear not to have responded to comments made by me before then um, regarding Stansted expansion threat and they have, if anything, highlighted their failure to understand it. The first point in their slide stated that house prices are consistently higher than England. 
That is certainly true and can largely be explained by the historic rural context of the mix of dwellings with a greater proportion of detached or semi-detached dwellings and an awful lot of listed buildings in the Uttersford area and very few terraced houses and flats. And also the influence of the proximity to London where overall average prices are much higher than the national average. So the, the statement that house prices are consistently higher than England was rather meaningless. The second point on their slide highlighted an increase in the gap between average local house prices. Now here I'm getting a bit detailed in numbers. The second point um, highlighted an increase in the gap between average local house prices and those for England as a whole, citing a rise from 40,000 to 80,000 as the average price between 2001 and 2013. I think this is going to bore everybody. I'm, I'm getting into too much detail. Can I ask the inspectors perhaps to just review the detail that I've, I've put in that um, element of my submission where I'm basically saying that ORS made some bland statements but they failed to look at the detail behind them and the detail behind them just disproved the logic that they were using uh, rather than go through the detail now. Yes, I think that's probably helpful, yes. Um, so ORS concluded that um, there should be a 20% increase in uh, forecast housing need because of market signals etc. I, I then move on to a, a much shorter point I made in my submission which is my point H. The various detailed calculations um, that arose, that, that were appearing in um, the, the Schmar, no matter how poorly explained and evidenced, have simply been swept aside by a simple rounding up to this 20%, which is what they used. Almost a random number. Later, ORS suggested that the number should come down to 13.6%. That was in uh, the 2017 Schmar. But Uttersford chose to ignore that and and continue to run with the 20% uplift. So I submit that the 20% was totally wrong in its um, rationale and logic um, and, that, and that is what Uttersford had ended up, have ended up adopting. Well it was 14% as I understand it isn't it not at the moment so there was a, a further update. Okay I'm 14 still sounds very over the top sorry thank you. Thank you. Do you want to make any comment on any of that? Um, I won't seek to dwell on it, but I, again, in terms of the comparative areas, it was with regard to housing market areas, and whilst um, references made to um, sort of the, the, the urban centres, um, the areas that we were comparing included sort of the rural hinterland districts of those areas too, in the same way as we included um, the, the, the four local authorities here. So South West Essex was based on Basildon, Brentwood and Thurrock. Um, Stevenage was based on Stevenage and North Hertfordshire. And Crawley was based on Crawley, Horsham, Mid-Sussex, Mole Valley, Rygate and Banstead and Tandridge. Um, and taken as a whole, we considered those areas were not the same as, but broadly similar to um, the area of Harlow with East Hertfordshire, Epping Forest and Uttlesford. Um, and those areas are, are set at out at 5.49 of 1100.1, so the original SHMA. Um, with regard to the, the comment on um, the, the house price data and affordability and, and so on and, and so forth, I think we 
have to have regard to um, what it is that's said in PPG at ID2A paragraph 20, um, where we are not looking to make a, um, a, a specific adjustment. We're, we're seeking to take a judgment on what is appropriate in terms of, of market signals. Um, and it was within the context, yes, house prices in this area are more expensive because there is more detached housing, more semi-detached housing because of the proximity to London. Um, but um, as is evident in terms of the, the government's current approach, um, they are seeking more housing in areas that are more expensive because of the, the, the relative position in, in terms of demand. Um, so I think that the, the assumption that we took at that time, it was in the context of the jobs worker needing an uplift of around 15%, um, and, and at that time we, we felt that 20% was an appropriate number um, for, for market signals. Now, moving on to the, to the study that we did in 2017, um, that um, sort of reviewed the, the detail and, and, as I said, sort of considered the, the specifics as to well, who's going to live in this housing because we were um, conscious that um, a 20% uplift on what was then quite a, a, a much higher um, household projection was a, a, a substantial uplift. So we, we did consider that critically, which is why we, we got to the 14% position that we are at in terms of the latest evidence. Thank you. Um, I'll take Mr. Young and then I'll come back round and your, your point's gone. <laughs> Thank you. I, I did two quick points. First of all, I did notice Mr. Dixon mentioned our neighbours and their affordability ratios. He omitted Epping Forest. Epping Forest has a higher affordability ratio than Uttersford and it's increasing at a faster rate. Also, one quick point that's been mentioned on house size is According to the Halifax Bank, we have the largest houses in England. So it's not a question of numbers of houses, it's perhaps a question of the mix. Two points I wanted to cover. Um, I gather market two of the factors that affect market signals are past performance and affordability. If I could go into past performance, first of all, I'll quickly mention we do live in a fairly special area in the middle of the, one of the best areas of agricultural land in the country, grade two land. It's only beaten by the fens in terms of productivity. Also, we have a great deal of heritage. We have, in fact, the greatest density of pre-1700 listed buildings of any district in the country. The greatest density of pre-1700 listed buildings. We narrowly beat our neighbours at Braintree and East Hearts, who are second and third. Fourth place goes some way down the list to Mid-Suffolk. If I can look at past performance, as has been mentioned, we've seen a massive housing growth already this century. If you look at government figures, you will find that we have the second highest growth percentage of any district in the country, only beaten and well beaten by Tower Hamlets. If you look at the plan period, you'll find, and I've found, that you come to much the same conclusion. We appear, the only districts I can find that are looking at higher growth rates are again Tower Hamlets and possibly one or two of the districts in Oxfordshire where they're facing particular problems. But we're certainly looking, we're certainly in the top five. We may even be second again. The increase we're looking at is far, far greater than our neighbours. We're looking at 
whereas all our neighbours are, are in the area 24 to 35 percent, 24 to 35 versus 45 in Uttlesford. The Guildford inspector made the point that he expected neighbours to be broadly similar, not this sort of difference. Even if we go to the household projections that I, I would like to see us go to, the figures won't go down massively. My quick estimate indicate we'll probably be talking 36 to 39 percent, which will still be more and considerably more than many of our neighbours. We are still talking massive increases on top of the increases we've already incurred this century. As Mr Bedford made the very valid point, we can argue all day about figures, but at the end of the day you have to say, does it feel right? Does it feel right? The second point I wanted to come on to was affordability. Over the last seven years, 2011 to 2018, the average affordability ratio increase in Uttersford has been pretty much the average with its neighbours. We've gone up by about the same percentage. We're about the average. But the house price increase in Uttersford over the last seven years, the ratio is lower than any of its neighbours. So why is this? And the reason is, and we're talking median here, talking median levels, not talking average or lower quartile, I'm afraid. Looking at median levels, Uttersford's median income in the last seven years has only gone up 8%. Most of its neighbours are 16%. Why on earth this enormous difference? Only 8% to 16% of its neighbours. And of course the reason is the airport. This district has about 31,000 people in employment. 18,000 of those leave the district for work. That is not unusual. It's about 55-60%. That is not unusual for this sort of area with commuting. 18,000 leave. 17,500 come back in. That is totally bizarre. To would appear totally bizarre to an outsider. You wouldn't expect that at all. And of course they're coming in to work at the airport. The airport is on the very edge of the district, right at the southern tip, right next to Bishop Stortford in East Hearts, a town with a population of over 40,000. So you would expect the main workforce to come from there, and of course they do. The airport currently employs 12,000 people. 84%, or about 10,000 of them, come into work from other areas. They don't, they're not Oxford residents, they come in from outside the area. That's 84% of the employees. Over the last seven years, 2,000 extra employees have been taken on by the airport. 2,000 extra, and one assumes about 84% of those have come from outside the area. So they're coming in. Airport jobs are not particularly well paid. And so as increased numbers of those come in, so the median moves. And hence the fact we're only seeing an 8% increase in the median and 16% everywhere else. It's the median that is moving because we're getting this great influx of workers from outside the district. This is totally untypical. As I say, the airport distorts the figures. As I said, if you look at the affordability ratio increase over the last seven years, Uttersford is pretty much the same as the other districts. But if you substitute earnings, you substitute the 8% for 16%, as would be typical for most of the area, then you find that the ratio, it's still not good, but the ratio is the lowest increase of any of our neighbours. And I can produce statistics to, to prove this, if, should you need them. So quickly to sum up, we have seen massive housing growth 
for an area like this, quite remarkable. Far more than any of our neighbours, which you wouldn't expect. And the affordability issue, it's certainly a problem, but not as much as you might think. In fact, if you compare us with our neighbours, we're actually doing quite well. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to comment on any of that, or the, the sort of Stansted factor or that sort of keeps being raised? I, mean, I think it is fair comment that the dwelling completions as a proportionate growth in Uttlesford are high. The population projections for Uttlesford as a proportionate growth when compared nationally are high. They're amongst the highest nationally um, and definitely outside London um, amongst the very highest. Um, and in terms of the objectively assessed need, um, in terms of the figures that we have in, in the SHMA, we've got a 40% growth over 22 years. Um, that is very high. It's 1.8% per year. Um, however, that is in the context of the housing market area growth being at 28.4% over the 22-year period, which is 1.29% um, and 1.29% growth um, for an area adjacent to London is what I would expect as, as being um, a, a, an appropriate level of growth. Um, the comparisons obviously um, are being made with other areas in the housing market area. Um, and if you go and look at the, the proportionate growth that you have, um, the proportionate growth that, that we see in Epping Forest is lower. There are lower historic completions and it comes down to sort of constraint in that area. Um, the distribution of housing in terms of the housing requirement, whilst it has been informed by the numbers in SHMA, that's not what's determined that. Um, and, and as I say, I think it is appropriate to recognise that we are dealing with relatively high rates of growth. It's coming from a relatively low base in terms of the, the number of dwellings in the area. Um, but, you know, 1.8% is uh, amongst the highest of all areas. It's not the highest. I mean, Vale of White Horse, you're looking at about 1.9%. Um, but it is the case that the numbers are, are relatively high. Um, but within the context of the housing market area as a whole, we, we believe that they are um, of the, the right order. Thank you. Um, just to uh, pick up on the point made that um, obviously the council acknowledges that housing is expensive in this area because it's largely detached larger houses, which um, creates an affordability issue. That's certainly something that we've picked up on here in Saffron Walden and working on the neighbourhood plan for Saffron Walden. Um, we've looked at Obviously, this is something that is, I'm really just raising this now to bookmark it for stage two when we'll be yeah. looking at the housing mix um, because there is an inconsistency between acknowledging that and then the proposed housing mix, which says that um, it should include for market housing a significant proportion of three and four plus bedroom houses, um, which obviously building more of the same won't solve that problem. Um, the previous local plan, I might possibly stand corrected, I think it asked for an emphasis on two and three bedroom houses but that hasn't actually, and that's the plan that's been obviously enforced up until now and that hasn't happened so um, roughly we count that as many four and five bedroom open market houses have been built since the last census as two and three bedroom houses and none at all for one bedroom houses, not a single one um, so 
we're definitely um, experiencing something that's possibly rather more developer-led, what they would like to build and sell than what the community might actually need. That's what we've seen in the neighbourhood plan. But obviously, I just wanted to sort of, because it was referenced here, I wanted to just pick that up as a bookmark for stage two. Yes, when we look at the policy about mix and things yeah, in more detail. Thank you. I don't think there's any need for the council to come back on that. Uh, Mr Bampton. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll try and keep this brief because uh, Mr Dixon has uh, very helpfully said most of the things I wanted to comment on. Um, Mr. I would start by commenting on Mr Bedford's response to Mr Dixon about lower quartile being more relevant than medium quarter. There's actually very little difference between the two in Uttlesford. I take the 2018 point as an example. Um, medium quartile is 13.67 and lower quartile is 13.68. So Did you say those with, numbers again? Um, the lower quartile is 13.67 and median, oh sorry, the other way around. Median is 13.67 and lower quartile is 13.68. So you know, I would say Mr Dixon's point remains valid, which either set of data you use. Um, moving on from that, I think what, the, what is a really big point in Uttlesford is how quickly the house builders are building houses when they get consent. The housing delivery test shows that over the last three years that 145% of the annual need has been built every year. And I put it this way, house builders only build houses if there's effective demand for them. We can't sell them, we don't build them. So if they're building that many, I can tell you there's that much demand for it, which in my mind suggests that there should be a much higher increase for market signals than is currently being allowed for, and that 20% should be the minimum, if not more. And all of the things about the standard methodology and the uplift of 60% that they would suggest to the, to the baseline figures, I think, are wholly valuable. Um, and I think actually something the council touched upon about the issues with the 2016 data when they were asking the question three answers. Uh, the, the government wants to build 300,000 homes a year. The, 2016, uh, the 2014 figures using the standard methodology only account for 266,000 homes a year. So we can be pretty sure that when the 2018 figures come out, they'll have adjusted the household formation rate in a way that boosts the, supply, the need um, so that they can deliver their 300,000, which I would say suggests that the 2014 is an undersupply, is an underestimate, and a, a bigger uplift should be accounted so that Uttlesford can you know, contribute its share going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Would to come back on that one? I don't think there's nothing that I'm kind of need to. Mr. Barrett, it's just coming up to half past 11, so shall we? Is it, are you, yeah, that's fine. Well, thank you. Um, in terms of agreeing with what's just been said, and Mr. Dixon really set out uh, uh, key points around the affordability ratios and, and really the, uh, the sense that if you've got a worsening trend, and that is what paragraph 28020 of PPG looks, uh, says you should look at, the decision to reduce that market signals from 20 to 14% would be seem to be, appear to be contrary to what uh, national policy is uh, taking forward. So I think there is a concern with, re uh, with regard to that, but also in terms of uh, the reason behind reducing that market signals in terms of uh, having to have people to live there. I think what I said yesterday in terms of London and that out-migration from London, that continues to be strong. And we had figures published last week by ONS that shows that this now stands at 340,500 people moving out of, out of London in, in 2018, which is an increase on the 2017 figures. So 
yeah, there is that continued pressure from the lack of delivery within, within the capital uh, that will put pressure on those areas outside of London. So I think there, there will be people, and to, to suggest that um, we should constrain delivery and constrain those market signals on the basis that um, there may not be the higher levels of migration or indeed improved household formation rates, both of the things that government accept are going to happen, especially if you look at the introduction of the standard method. They expect uh, percentage to be far higher than that, that uh, put forward in the population projection. Indeed, using the 2014 projections, it again uh, uh, gives weight to that, that argument. Um, so I think the justification behind it would appear to be contrary to what, what the government's aims are. And I think the government's aims uh, are clearly set out within standard methodology, not just in terms of what they want to see, but what the failings of the current approach that has been taken in terms of not providing that significant uplift to, to, to address housing needs and to improve affordability. If the government had been happy with the, the, the approach that had been taken, clearly they would have maintained that, that approach and, and kept going with that approach. And that's something they haven't done. So I think it, it is worth uh, considering that element. So all in all, I think there is a... Um, a, a contradiction really between trying to peg it uh, uh, to um, past migration and, and to lower household formation rates when actually that's, that's not what the government is, is looking to achieve. And also in terms of looking at what other authorities have done, you've got places like Wickham which is a very similar uh, authority to um, um, Uttlesford. I was trying to remember where I was. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sir. Sorry, Mum. Um, I, I go to so many of these things. Uh, um, New Forest were next week and all over the place. Um, so I think there is a, um, uh, and that's 20% uplift on very similar market sig uh, signals with regard to that. Runnymede, another one of very an edge of London, uh, uh, you know, on the uh, uh, in the periphery of London. Again, a 20% uplift. Uh, so the, there, is, there is very much uh, precedent in terms of that level of uplift in, in taking forward. So it would seem an odd decision. To, given what the market signal is suggesting and what the government approach is, to go from 20% and then say, well, actually, because we've got a lower level of, uh, of de uh, demographic growth, we'll have a lower level of, uh, of um, market signals uplift. It, it just seems contradictory, Mark. Thank you. It's probably worth coming back on that. Just point, picking up on those. I mean, in terms of the market signals uplift, it is a percentage, and a percentage is meaningless without having some regard to what the base um, is. When you look at um, the various different areas that Mr. Berendt references there, they all have got lower rates of, of household growth as a starting point. So what you're putting a, a percentage uplift on, but it's a percentage uplift to what is a, a smaller growth to start with. Um, as I said previously, I mean, we have a growth here that's of the order of 1.8% per year in, in the district. Um, as a context, the growth needed nationally to get to 250,000 homes was about 1%. Um, to get to 300,000 homes, it's 1.2 or 1.3%. I forget precisely the number. Um, but we're at a position where if everywhere was, was building at the rate that is planned for in Uttlesford, we'd be delivering 400, 450, half million homes a year annually um, across England. Um, the rates are very high, and that is why we've, we've looked critically. And, and the key thing is, yes, we went from a 20% uplift applied in the original SHMA, the 2015 study, um, to a 14% a, a uplift. Um, but the overall OAN number, um, you know, whilst the percentage uplift has gone down, the OAN has gone from, from 46,100 up to... Um, 
around 51,000, forgive me, I don't have the, the, the number in front of me, I've got too many documents. Um, 51,710, so we've gone up by 5,000 dwellings. Um, so I, I, I think you need to be careful about um, not being misled by the fact it's a lower percentage uplift, but we're dealing with 5,000 more homes as a consequence of it. Um, it's, it's appropriate in the context of um, all of the information that, that we're working with. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I think that, that is, is the, the main thing. We think that the, the number for the housing market area is definitely appropriate, and, and in terms of the number in Uttlesford, it is a very high rate of growth. Thank you. So it's just gone half past 11. I think it's probably appropriate to take a short break now. Um, if we break for, um, if we say it's, it's nearly 25 minutes, so if we say until 10 till, then it gives everybody a chance, quite a lot of people to uh, use the facilities, etc., and get a cup of tea if you want one. Um, so yeah, we'll come back at 10 to 12, and then we'll break for lunch around 1 o'clock. Okay. Thank you. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. So it actually was submitted. Um, but I think that the, the key issue is that when the Schmar 2017 was produced, of course, we didn't have an objective way in which to determine market signals, um, which, which we do now have, or future plans will, um, will have. And as you, I just wanted to, to cite that in that Schmar 2017, 
the, uh, there were a number of references made to looking at what level of uplift is reasonable. I mean, that's mentioned, I think, four times at paras 129, 122, 3.2, and 3.23. Um, and this is great focus on what is a reasonable uplift. I think we talked a little about what, does, what looks right. Um, and we've come, well, the council have come to 14%, but clearly what we know now is a reasonable uplift can be as high as 40%. And I just wanted to make that point, Mom. Thank you. Thank you. Not sure you need to address any. Is there anything particularly you want to say on that? I mean, I think it comes back to the, the point, it, the percentage you need to take the context <coughs> in which it applies, as I said yes. before. Anybody else? Oh, Mr. Black. Uh, thank you. <coughs> uh, wanting to, uh, to avoid back and forth, obviously, but just picking up on something that the Council said, uh, and it is referred to in the, in the 2017 Schmar update, uh, they set out that the 20% uplift is, is difficult to justify. And they make at paragraph 3.30 very various references to the percentage increase in, in housing stock. The, the council referred to that uh, earlier in terms of the percentage nationally. All I would say is that in national terms, there isn't the issue of affordability that we are experiencing in Uttlesford and the, the greater southeast. So whilst that is correct in terms of it would be greater than national growth, there is a significant issue of affordability and therefore if you are going to deal with that in a satisfactory manner, you are going to need to take an approach which may be a departure from the picture nationally. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to add anything to that? No. Okay. So that um, concludes that point. I haven't got any further questions. Um, the next point is C, economic and jobs growth. Does anybody want any, to say anything in particular on this point? The, the Council's response is obviously uh, provided on this point at 2.12 in their statement. It didn't seem as big an area of contention. Mr. Uh, MacDonald, Mr. Young, do you want to go first this time, Mr. Young? <laughs> uh, Ken MacDonald first. Uh, only to say that I, I think it's most appropriate for what I want to say to leave this until Hardesty Jones are here this afternoon. So I'd like to defer any comments on this to Hardesty Jones when they're here because some of it's they're related, jobs and... That's, that's fine, yes. Yep. We're talking about um, employment and things this afternoon. Thank you. Did you want to, are you happy to do the same, Misty? Is that what he was going to say? Yes, sir. I was going to say we cover this On this one? Oh, the jobs yeah. growth, yes. The jobs there growth, is it's very similar to question four. I was going to say we take the two together and, and I'm quite happy... To wait that's until Hardesty Jones are here. Yeah, that, well, that, yeah, that'll be this afternoon. That's a separate set of questions this afternoon, isn't it, about um, employment? But I think there is. Uh, so yeah, there's 23, which is are the employment land requirements consistent with housing requirement figure and methodology. So there is overlap in all the sort of sessions. Okay, you're down to speak this afternoon, are you? Yes. Okay. 
Um, does anybody else want to say anything? Well, the council is presumably happy to take us read their statement on that. Yeah. And it will probably come back round to it in various other uh, uh, ways. Um, D, the need for adequate levels of affordable housing to be provided. And I think, again, this comes up again further down. Um, the agenda. So the, I've noted that the council statement at para 5.4 says that the council is commissioning work to support a fresh refresh, sorry, support a refresh of the Uttlesford housing strategy and amendments to the allocations policy. Um, do you know when that's going to be complete? Uh, I'm afraid I don't off the top of my head know when that's going to be complete. But I can give a bit of detail on what it's looking at. It's been yep. through the scrutiny committee and, and a few other things. I don't think your microphone's picking your voice up very well again. Better? That's better, yeah. <laughs> um, so scrutiny committee has been uh, looking at the housing strategy and the allocations policy uh, for the council. And what it has been looking at doing is um, uh, identifying a, a potential issue whereby if you wanted to uh, be on, on the housing waiting list at the moment, then you need to be working in the district for at least three years. Um, and the, the, the issue that it's looking at is uh, reducing that period whereby if you've been working in the district for a short period of time, you may, you may be able to get an affordable home. Right. So it's sort of a review of that um, to take account of sort of up-to-date information, etc. That's right, yes. But we don't know when that's going to be ready. I can I can have a word with someone and I mean, get back to you. It's not critical. It was just about out of interest, just so that we can sort of see how things start to align in terms of documents that are emerging and things. Yeah. Did anybody want to make any comment? We've already sort of touched upon it in other ways. This is kind of what happens, isn't it? There is an overlap with lots of these things. Mr. Schwimplin. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Um, I was. Uh, I suppose a point that I think will come up. Uh, come to in terms of the trajectory, which is obviously a, a later item. But I note that here in the um, council's hearing statement, they say that for people with earnings within the bottom 25%, house prices in Uttlesford are nearly 14 times larger than their income. Uh, and, it's, and it says the situation does not improve for those earning an average salary where the medium affordability ratio is 13.67. That's a paragraph 5.5. Um, and I think it's an important point when we come onto the trajectory in terms of how this, the point in time at which that affordability issue is going to be addressed, because of course if you have a step trajectory, you're pushing that need into the background. So it's not just a matter of total affordable housing provision, it's a matter of when you are providing right. it. Yes, because there's a need, there's a requirement and a need at the present time and going back as well. And that uh, quite, yeah. yeah. So obviously this question is to do with the total figure and it's something we'll come on to is we actually will, when you're yeah. going to deliver that. Thank yeah, you. that's fine. Any other? No. Is there anything else the council wants to add on that? I think it's covered in no. our statement. Okay, thank you. Um, so, three, is any adjustment required as a result of local factors to the ONS MHCLG projections to form the demographic starting point for the OHN? And this is migration rates, which I think we've probably covered now. Unless, Mr. MacDonald, do you want to say something in addition to what you've already said? Uh, actually, I, I, I'm not quite sure where it fits, but I, perhaps now between two and three is um, where I want to raise some things just about numbers, um, because the, the 
you, you haven't got a, a slot. We'll, for look me at num- just... well, numbers will be kind of looked at probably more in matter in, in question eight when we look at we'll look at what, sort of, what the numbers in what regard in terms of the trajectory well, or. Um, well, seven is about the trajectory as well. It's more about the evidence um, and audit trail sort of aspects of things because I do find there's a big problem with lack of audit trail on the Schmar. So right. That, do you want to explain? I'm not sure yeah. I understand what... Um, I found very little evidence within the Schmar or the original Schmar, the 2015 Schmar, or subsequent iterations of how key figures were derived, either where they could be found in some independent source or how they've been calculated by the report's authors. Although the ORS approach appears to have followed a standard mathematical routine, uh, the mathematics is rarely visible and often cannot be, even be deduced from whatever explanation is provided. An Uttersford officer, um, who's here, interpreted my advice as show your workings, which was a pretty good way of saying it. It's as, it's as simple as that, but ORS don't seem to follow this simple and essential guide, so it's been quite difficult to follow. Is it how something in particular? Because maybe they can help you if it's a particular figure. I mean, if it's sort of you just say everything, then it uh, might be more difficult. Y- to yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be long on this. Um, I've raised this audit and tra- audit trial concern with Uttlesford, pointing out that a similar deficiency was a key aspect of the 2014 inspector's rejection of the draft plan, because you couldn't follow how they got to the numbers and similarly in this schmar you can't follow how they've got to the numbers they, they quote lots of things and you can't see how they add them together or how they arrive at them one example is the one that mr young referred to of how did they get to the uttersford element of the totality it's not explained so there's a great deficiency really in, in, in following numbers through the schmar process As it stands, it's not at all apparent how various adjustments have been applied um, to get to those Uttlesford growths and, and other growths. If, if I could just go a little bit further. Um, I raised a lot of these issues on the very first um, consultation by Uttlesford. And Uttlesford asked ORS to come and talk to the Planning Policy Working Group to explain some of the things that they'd done. And I understood from somebody in Uttlesford that the ORS would cover the points that I'd raised. As it turned out, they didn't. But um, they did produce a number of charts, one of which famously failed to add up and confused um, dwellings with uh, housing um, so the, the, this chart was just awful, yet it was in a presentation that they were apparently giving to explain challenges that had been made to their schmar. And that just, just compounded my concern about the ability of RRS to produce information that was understandable, followable, commentable by anybody who wanted to comment on it. It was difficult to follow. I have a a similar bit of slanging to, to, to say about Uttlesford's review of the Schmar. Um, it seems that UDC delegated practically all the work. I know that they were involved in some group sessions, but all the work was done by Epping Forest District Council, and all the relationship with ORS was with Epping Forest, Forest District Council, lots of to and fro. I suspect that's just for ease, isn't it, rather that's than everybody ease, yeah. trying to kind yeah. of um, get but, involved. Yeah. But when you delegate, you don't 
absolve responsibility. It sounds as though there were some work, regular meetings with, from what Mr Lee said, um, regular sort of working groups with ORS, with Epid Forest and with the other sort of partner authorities that were um, signing up to them. Yeah, but I, I have a problem with the fact that Uttlesford just basically didn't want to know. They just accepted the answers. And I, I pressed this point. And, um, but what, what makes you think that? I, I had a meeting with several people in Uttlesford, including Roger Harbour, one of the directors, and he stated that they didn't want to pursue and follow up the comments that I've made, the queries that I've made. They will leave that to ORS to deal with here, which I, I thought was a total abrogation of responsibility and not very satisfactory. So ORS hadn't had input from UDC about Stansted Airport, that sort of thing, um, and they hadn't followed up criticisms of how the Schmar have been developed by two or three chartered accountants who understand numbers and how numbers ought to be presented. Perhaps I have a, a higher expectation, having been involved in auditing of financial figures, but it was disappointing for me, and I know at least one other chartered accountant, disappointing that we could not follow how the numbers have been calculated, and disappointing that even though we raised those points with Uttlesford, Uttlesford declined to take up our suggestion that they got somebody independent to have a look at them. So the process was not, was not good. Um, okay, but there's, you can't really point to any particular figures that you want us to look at or explain today? I mean. um, well, in my uh, submission... Uh, in your statement on your Regulation 19. Regulation 19, I, I've gone into more detail. I mean, it's pages and pages long, and I don't want to bore... I know, yeah, it's quite a long statement. It's a long statement, yeah, because I, I just failed to get any re reaction from Uttlesford to those points all the way through. They said, no, we'll leave it to the examination, and ORS can deal with it. Right, Not okay. good. Um, so I, th I think that I can shut up for a little while. Thank you. Mr Lee, do you want to say anything about how, how the process works and the sort of audit process and where you get your figures from, that sort of thing. I mean, I know that you do this work for lots of local authorities. Indeed. Uh, um, I mean, I think uh, with regard to the work, obviously, Uttlesford Council, um, as part of that wider group, commissioned us to undertake what is a relatively specialist piece of work. Um, and in terms of their input, I think that as many authorities are, they are minded to not seek to interfere in what the um, figure should be because they want to be in a position whereby um, when it comes to be it local plan examination or section 78 appeals, that it is independent and it is objectively assessed. Um, I appreciate that there is inherently a balance um, between what information, what numbers are included within a document um, and what um, is, is not put in and I mean there are times when we have to set out the precise workings whereby we go and take well this is the base number this is the probability that's applied for, to it this is the consequence of, of multiplying those numbers out and then summing them but that process is applied um, many times across the, the, the work um, the, the, there are probabilities attached with um, fertility, with mortality, with migration, the, the rates that you have in terms of both um, the, the absolute numbers and in terms of probabilities, and they're being applied for quite often in single years of age, for differently for, for each gender, 
Um, so you have hundreds and hundreds of, of, of calculated cells. Um, and we set out the consequences of, well, having done that um, and been through that process, this is the answer that you get. It may look, well, how is it that you get from this number to that number? Um, but to, to put out in a, a, a document sort of all of that working is, is simply um, not feasible um, within a report. Now, the type of outputs that we produce are consistent with the type of outputs that get produced um, by ONS um, when it comes to the, the population projections that they produce. Um, and in terms of the data that we use, that is data that is published by ONS or historically with regard to the house projections by the Department of Communities and Local Governments, by CLG. Um, and it's those rates that are in the public domain. Now, I'm not expecting that somebody who isn't familiar with that data to be able to pick it up and use it, but it is all published data that we are, uh, that we are using. Um, I'm not aware here of sort of specific challenge to the, the numbers that have, have come out with, with regard to the accuracy. I think that there is an element of um, misunderstanding, or, or, but, but I think what's fair to say is that we have been through a process, it is a tried and tested process um, in terms of the demographic approach that we're, we're taking, population projections and household projections, use exactly the same approach as is used by the ONS in terms of um, the, the projections that they produce. It's just that we've varied some of the assumptions with regard in particular to, to the migration trend period. Um, with regard to the outputs that we get, when compared to the CLG household projection starting point, it's not as if we are in a completely different ballpark of figure. We are broadly, yes, the numbers are slightly higher or slightly lower, um, but we are coming up with numbers that are consistent with, with those numbers we suggest. So you have a sort of sense check as well. Uh, we, along and, and then in, in terms of the overall numbers, as I say, the, the growth that you get for Uttlesford is relatively high, but the growth of the housing market area is reasonable. And as I said, so in, in answer to the earlier question, it is the housing market area that is that primary output that we're looking at from, from the SHMA. Um, so, you know, there is a balance there. SHMA reports are often criticised for being too lengthy, um, and we try and sort of pitch a balance to provide enough information to sort of take you with us, as it were, in, in terms of the process. Um, and as Mr. Bedford pointed out, just PPG, it isn't an exact science. Um, we are following a, a methodology set out in, in by the government in their planning practice guidance. We're taking that on a step-by-step -step basis, and we're taking reasonable views at each stage. We have met um, with Uttlesford Council. We've done a number of presentations over a number of years here, and um, with wider presentations across the, the whole housing market area and we've sought to explain that process. Um, and, I mean, the, the, the challenge is we, we are seeking to be, be as, as transparent as, as we can. Um, but in terms of the Council's position at the end of the day, um, their concern is that it is independent and um, that I'm able to come sit here and, and answer the questions at, at this type of, of forum. Thank you, that's helpful. Do you find that helpful, Mr. MacDonald? Or? Well, only partly. 
because I'd like to think that if someone's producing something that is really significant and important, it ought to be possible to be reviewed and audited. And well, I think, I guess as, as Mr Lee said, it could, but all the, but, all the figures are, are available. But, but the, if they were all produced in a document, it would probably be, for most people, it would probably be just kind of, yeah, inaccessible the, the, because of the, the, vol, the, the numbers and the calculations and things. Perhaps, but the classic one in the Schmar and the various iterations of the Schmar is why does Uttlesford have such a big share of the cake compared with the other three districts? And it's not explained anywhere. There's no, well, ma can there's I just no comment on, figures to show sorry, that. Sorry, just comment on that particular point. Because in, in the 2017 um, Schmar, this is 11... Point two. It's page 24, paragraphs 4.9 through to 4.11 do explain how you distribute from the Schmar area uh, objectively assessed need to the individual districts, and particularly at 4.10, sorry, yes, 4.10, the series of uh, indents which are the steps that were taken, taken forward. So the methodology is there. I appreciate there's a lot of jargon, there's a lot of, as it were, shorthand for those who are familiar with these documents, but it is, it is articulated. I think what Mr MacDonald wants is more than... Uh, <laughs> uh, presumably you've seen this document. I, I have, and I, I have it in front of me. Um, yes, there's some words, but... I can't see how those numbers are derived, and, and nor has anybody else been able to see how those numbers are derived that end up as Uttlesford's um, requirement. Okay, I yeah, I've heard what you say. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Young, did you want to? Thank you. I'll be very brief. Um, I concur with everything Mr. McDonald has said. Um, I'll give one example, uh, which I've referred to in my submissions, where. A calculation was made across the small area coming to a total by a particular method. It was then divided between the four areas on a totally different basis. So you produce a total on one basis and divide it on another. Which point is that? Where about? Uh, I'll have to. Uh, it's in one of my schedules. You'll see it. It's, it's basically the, the final calculation that gets to the 13,332. I think this is the. Figure 5 that we're looking at at the moment. It, gets, it, gets, it shows up through 13.332, which if you divide it on the basis of which the, calculate, the total was calculated, you get to 11.302. So there's a considerable difference. So you calculate a total on one basis and divide it on another. It's illogical. I have never had an explanation for that, and you're forced to conclude that it's an error. Um, well, I'll ask Mr Lee to comment I, I would also moment. just add that a third chartered accountant contacted me out of the blue. I only vaguely knew the guy. He'd looked at the figures and came to exactly the same conclusion as I did. So hopefully three CAs can't be wrong. Thank you. Do you want, are you able to comment on that? I mean, we've got not a full amount of information from Mr Young about... We can see that there's a 13332, but um, and you're saying it should be 11,000 and something... I really want to go into detailed figures here well, because I have put them in my submission. Making, well, I think if you're making specific references and accusations, if you like, then we need, you can't sort of make throwaway comments, but then not, you know, I need to understand what it is you're saying if you want no, me to take I, it seriously. Can.
Can I, can I come in on that? I, I think I've found the reference um, that, that Mr. Young was referring to. Um, in their... Shortly before Uttersford approved the Regulation 19 draft, Mr. Young found a significant anomaly and probable error in the most recent advice from ORS. He raises in an email on 14th of June 2018 with UDC councillors, no, but no correction was forthcoming. I had not spotted this error, which lay hidden within the lack of audit trail of ORS's 20, July 2017 Schmar update, establishing the full objectively assessed need. Um, in, their, in that report, ORS adopted the GLA 2016-based central forecast of households for each of the four districts. But in converting these to dwellings, the consultants reallocated the GLA forecasts between the districts, with some 2,000 dwellings being added to Uttlesford and deducted from the other districts without reason. It just seems to be a mistake. This appears to be a sloppy error. And because, the figures, because there's no audit trail, no, nobody can easily see it and pick it up and say this is where it went wrong. So, so it's the it's where the they've attributed GLA yes. population? It, yes. That's where yes. GLA, GLA came up with populations for each of the four districts and the total was X. ORS took the X and applied different proportions to arrive at the allocation between the, our four districts. So they took percentages that they'd used somewhere else, but not the percentages that GLA had used in arriving at the total. Right, that's helpful. Hopefully Mr Lee can... Do you want a moment? Do you want me to listen to somebody else while you find the... Uh... No, I can pick up on the point. Um, I think to be entirely clear, we did not adopt the GLA projections. Um, the SHMA produced its own projections and the update updated those projections on the same basis as we had produced the original projections. Um, within the 2017 document, that's 1100.2, um, we considered the assumptions that the GLA had taken in terms of migration to this housing market area. Um, now, that is data that is published for um, each of the districts separately, but we considered it as migration to the housing market area um, to establish the extent to which we were um, taking the same or different migration assumptions. And that identified that we would need to have some increase in housing delivery to accommodate the additional migrants that were being um, assumed to be leaving London by the GLA. But we did not adopt the GLA projections we simply considered that as one of the elements that we looked at within the adjustment for market signals. The other element that we considered within market signals was the household formation rates and the impact of taking those back to the rates recorded in 2001 where those rates were higher um, than, than was currently being projected. Um, so we were looking at a number of different sets of data. We were looking at our own household projections as the demographic starting point. Um, that was based upon 10-year trends from 2005 to 2015. And then within the context of the adjustment for market signals, we looked at the assumptions within the GLA projections and we also looked at the consequences of the 2001-based projections. Um, that yielded... Um, an adjustment of 6,200 dwellings, 
which is the basis for the 14% uplift that was applied. Now, we had to go and distribute that 6,200 dwellings between the four districts um, in, in providing sort of a, a, a distribution. And that was done pro rata to the household growth that we have projected. So, in terms of the table in figure five that we were looking at earlier, if we look at the percentage of household projections, that is the same percentage um, in terms of the, the response to market signals. So, household projections were 11,733 um, out of 45,507 total, um, and that pro rata is um, 1,599 out of 6,203 um, adjustment for market signals. There is no right or wrong as to how it is that we distributed that market signals adjustment. We could have said, well, um, this is going to be migration from London and we're going to put it all in Epping Forest because that's where it's next door to London. Um, we took an arithmetic approach um, and we took the same percentage uplift in each area. Um, whatever we did would not have changed the number for the housing market area as a whole, which was the input that went into um, looking at how it is best to accommodate um, the, the growth within the area. And um, when we look at the numbers here, we've got a number for Epping Forest that is higher than the number that is their housing requirement, but a number for Harlow that is lower than their housing requirement put forward in, in the plans. Now, I appreciate neither plan is yet adopted, um, but that is not the only input to how it is that, that the needs are distributed. We haven't been entirely inconsistent. We've taken our demographic projections, we've applied an uplift, and we've applied that uplift uniformly, same proportion in each area, because that was the most straightforward uh, approach um, to take. It's not to say that there weren't other approaches that we could have taken, um, but we think that that was reasonable. Um, and I think that we recognise at, at, at various um, places within the document that the spatial distribution is not a matter um, that, I mean, in paragraph 4.9 on page 24, we go and say, whilst the identified FOM will be a key part of the evidence base, the local plans will be the mechanisms through which the SHMA and associated evidence will be assessed against environmental and policy constraints such as Greenbelt to identify a sustainable and deliverable plan requirement. Um, the local plans will also consider the most appropriate spatial distribution for the FOAN across the housing market area. So I think, yes, it is a part of the jigsaw, but if we had gone and distributed differently, we are already aware that you know, Epping Forest is delivering less because they have more constraint. Mm -hmm. If we'd have started with a higher number there, there'd have been more that would need to be considered. It wouldn't have changed the total to be accommodated. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you know, it was a consistent approach. That is an approach that um, we did explain at a presentation which is here in Uttlesford in terms of how we got to that number. And as, as Mr. Bedford said, it is set out in terms of points. And I appreciate that you know, some of the, the language is jargonistic and there are acronyms littered throughout. Um, we, we try and introduce that and, and to make it as, as understandable as possible, but appreciate that um, we are dealing with different audiences, some of whom are very familiar with this type of document and read them um, more often than they care to, perhaps. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and there are other people that are, that are, that are less familiar. See Mr. Barrett laughing. He's obviously one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, you know, we're, we're trying to sort of steer a course whereby there is enough information presented. There. It's a balance, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and it is a balance. But, but it's not that we definitely did not adopt the GLA projections um, and we haven't been inconsistent in, in the way we've taken, we've taken our own data and we've, we've applied a uniform adjustment. But, as I say, that is only one input to the, to the number that goes into the plan. Thank you. I think we'll draw a line under that. Now, we've got an explanation from the council, and it might not be. Mr. Young, did you want to add anything else? Just say, say something. Um, very briefly, the GLA did some work, and it came up with a figure of 47,000. ORS converted that, to, that's for the SMAR area, ORS converted that to 51,000. That is a GLA based figure, and it shows Epping Forest having 20% more than Uttlesford fairly typical of all government calculations. Then having got to 51,000, we don't split it on the GLA basis, we split it on some other basis, an RS basis, on almost a basis you could pick out of the air. So it's totally illogical, totally illogical. I can't see, and this has been confirmed by others. But I would just add that this is all based on the 2014 household projections, governments, and I would argue in any case that's the wrong basis and we should be working on another basis. So, but if you, if you are insisting on going back on these, this is inexplicable, and the only answer you can come back with is basically an error. Thank you. Presume you don't want to. Mr Starr. Um, thank you. I just wanted to say that... Um, I mentioned earlier on that we were, we'd also, in our representations, expressed concern over this idea of um, that the uh, uh, GLA distribution proportions had been applied to the ORS numbers. It was mixing fish and fowl. Um, I was a little concerned with what the council just said there. We haven't been entirely inconsistent. Uh, that means they haven't been consistent. Uh, it would seem that it is very important that they need to be entirely consistent in the way they produce the numbers, not entirely, not being entirely inconsistent if I'm not doubling a negative and getting something different. Um, to my point earlier on, uh, I think there's, there is a, enough concern about these numbers and how they're derived and the consistency of them and the household projections that you know, the council should look at these numbers and make sure that they are consistent um, and uh, you may reach the decision that you want them to go do that and they could do that probably uh, within the week gap between the first part and the second part of this inspection just to make sure that these numbers are solid because we get into DPDs and new settlements and all sorts of detail next week and they need to be based on a solid foundation, not something that seems to be on quicksand. Thank you. Thank you. If I was unfortunate by choice of consistent inconsistent words, then I apologise, but we are being entirely consistent in our approach. Um, and in terms of the, the, the position with regard to the distribution, it makes no difference to the total for the HMA, which, as I say, is the, the, the central output. Um, if we were to go and do work that sort of had a different distribution, then that isn't something that can be done in, in a week because essentially that's embarking on duty to cooperate discussions with, yes. with the other areas within the HMA as to how it is that that need is going to be met. Um, so, yes, uh, as I said earlier, there is the 2016 based data. Um, we haven't gone and undertaken a full analysis with that data, which could be done, but 
um, I think it's likely that we're not going to get to a, a point that's a million miles from, from where we are, but evidently that is a judgment. Um, and we haven't sort of been through that process, but um, as I say, um, I think that what we have is a, a robust evidence, and it is showing a high rate of growth for, for Rattlesford, but that's sort of within context of an appropriate rate um, for the housing market area as a whole. Thank you. Any other? Do you want to speak on? The, so I think we're up to, um, to lose track. I think we're on to point four now, aren't we? Which is the uh, alignment with forecast for jobs growth, which we've was two uh, C kind of as well. And there's been indications that people would rather speak on that um, in relation to the employment section this afternoon. Does anybody particularly wants to make any comments on that point? No. Okay. Um, point five, this was a new point I introduced, I think it was based on some representations. Um, have the needs for all types of housing been addressed? Obviously, if you're happy that I've read what you wanted to say, uh, it might be worth the council just making a brief um, comment on that, whether it's Mr Lee or Mr Miles. And we will deal with this, obviously, as been said earlier in the later stages of the examination as well, where we look at things like housing mix and things in terms of how we how that's split but uh, in terms of the uh, so this is in relation OAM. to the the schmar that's schmar yeah, yes yeah. that's right i think i'll find i mean in terms of the, the the needs for all types of housing i think that um the, the most or, the most substantial um, split is the, the balance between market housing and affordable housing and obviously that was addressed very explicitly um in the original SHMA and um, document 1100.3 provides a full update in terms of the affordable housing. Um, in addition to that, within the um, SHMA document, we have um, housing requirements considering older persons, households with specific needs, um, and people wishing to build their own homes considered. Um, now, that is work that was done in, in 2015. Um, we haven't as far as I'm aware, got um, specific sections dealing with things like service families and a number of other um, areas that, that have sort of since been um, considered. Um, but I think that in, in terms of the, the key groups, affordable housing and, and older persons in particular, um, the SHMA has, has, has dealt with those. Sorry, I missed what you said that. What, what families did you say, sorry? Um, service families. Oh, right. Um, and I, I mean, I appreciate that it is something that we're now directed to look at and consider, but the needs are very specific to some local authority areas whereby it's a very big issue, uh, and in most local authority areas, whilst there's a duty there to um, give priority for, for rehousing service personnel or ex-service personnel, um, the, the numbers are, aren't something that really have a, a substantial impact in terms of um, the, the, the SHMA type evidence. Um, I think the other thing that's sort of implicit is whilst we haven't gone and set out a section on the need for family housing, we have got a section there that, that deals with housing mix more generally and obviously um, is something that we've considered in terms of the, the, the size of housing and I'm sure we'll come back to that when it comes to, to looking at housing mix. Thank you, that's helpful. Mr MacDonald, did you want to say something? Yeah. Is this something that's covered in your statement? It is. I now want to talk about L and M of my statement briefly. Um, firstly, concealed families and homeless households. Um, 
I couldn't think of a better slot under your um, slots to put it. Um, the concealed and homeless are added in full to the demand, and that's 641 households, yet a further 1,600 dwellings, this is on the original SMAR, which I presume is carried forward to later editions. Um, concealed and homeless are, are added in full to the demand, in other words, 641 households, yet a further 1,600 dwellings are added to allow for 4% temporary vacancies. I suggest that the transitory position of concealed and homeless families is probably already adequately allowed for within the rather generous 4%. Do you want to comment on that? Which section of the report was you It's That's a good question. Um, I picked it up from the January 2016 slide presentation by ORS, and it was slide 13. So I'm not even sure it's a, a number in the Schmar. Um, like I'll, I'll research that and come back later. Okay, shall we come, we'll come back to that because it might yeah. be helpful, unless Mr Lee can pick yes. up from what you've said what it is. Um, in terms of the, the figures, it's um, in the original SHMA, the September 2015 version, it's figure 43 on page 56 and figure 57 on page uh, sorry, figure 44 on page 57. Um, those figures um, or the, the, the data on homelessness is updated in figure 2 on page 11 of the July 2017 affordable housing update which is 1100.3 um, in terms of the figures concealed families um, we count the growth in that group so it's only the growth that is added we're not adding all concealed families um, the homeless households we're not adding all homeless households we're just adding homeless households that are um, in accommodation that isn't um, typical um, dwelling stock, so those that are living in bed and breakfast accommodation or in hostel accommodation. Um, now, those are people that are already resident in the district, but they don't have their own household um, and they don't have their own dwelling. Um, they are therefore not captured in the household projections um, and it is appropriate to make an adjustment for them. Um, now that is an adjustment that forms part of the market signals adjustment insofar as those groups are identified in PPG at paragraph 19 I think it is um, in terms of concealed and sharing households and, and numbers in temporary accommodation um, as part of the the market signals, um, but they are households that form part of an unmet need at the start of the plan period and therefore need to be um, included. Um, with regard to the allowance for vacant homes and, and second homes, there is th th this is inherently different. Um, we're, we're there assuming that within the new stock that is built there will be a number of dwellings that don't have a usually resident household um, and that is based upon the existing um, proportion of dwellings that don't have a usually resident household. Um, now, it, it isn't the case that we can simply go and say, well, 
um, because we're going to assume that some dwellings don't have a household living in them, that we can sort of overlay that and say, well, we'll allow or we'll allocate those households to, to the concealed households and homeless households that don't have a dwelling. Um, I mean, as a policy objective in an area with high rates of empty homes, a council could take the view that they are going to use empties being reintroduced as a way of, um, of a, 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 as a specific policy objective. But in terms of the need, um, that is something whereby it's appropriate that we have to recognise that households, not all dwellings, will be occupied by a household. Yeah. Um, now, in this area, it's not an area that's got particularly high rates of um, vacant homes, as far as I recall. Um, and I think that you, we have to recognise that you know, there will be transactional vacancies that w w are continuing, and that is something that, that we need to take account of. Um, so, so, yes, we are counting um, the particular um, concealed families and homeless households as a specific adjustment, and we are also counting the, the, those dwellings that don't have a usually resident household, but they are um, very specific and, and separate adjustments that, that, that isn't introducing any kind of a, a double count or overlap. Thank you. That's helpful. Has that explained things to you, Mr. MacDonald? Um, possibly. I, I, I leave you to consider it. I, okay. I haven't got anything more to add on that. But I have got an, a, a second point, um, and that's uh, people in communal establishments. Um, paragraph 3.61 of the consultation, the regulation. 19 consultation refers to a further requirement for growth of communal establishments to meet the needs of 504 people. There seems to be no sound basis for plucking this number out from the overall population that we've included elsewhere and counting them a second time. This is claimed to be following a suggestion by ORS who produced the original Schmar. These are people that are just ordinary people in the um, census context, so any growth in population that comes up from looking at an earlier census and a later census that's then built into our basic forecasting of future populations includes these people already. They just happen to be in a care home. Um, so we're double counting by adding it on again. What are we going to double count next? People with red hair? Or, um, Do you want to... Yes, I mean, in terms of the original SHMA, figure 40 on page 51 goes and identifies the split um, in terms of the population resident in households and the population resident in communal establishments um, as part of the, the overall total population. And I appreciate that that data relates to the original projections and they've been, been superseded, but in terms of the, the, the point, um, the household projections... Um, is the group of people to which we apply household formation rates. Um, and it is only people in the household projections um, that we assume are going to form households. And it's only the growth of households that we are considering when looking at the housing need. The methodology that CLG used for establishing the household projections um, assumes that the communal establishment population remains constant in absolute terms for those aged under 75, so we don't need to worry about those aged under 75. But for those aged 75 or older, 
it is based upon a percentage of the population. Um, it's actually based on percentages of the population in, in various different subgroups, so depending on marital status, um, age and gender, they, there, there are percentages that get applied. Um, as we have a growing older population, you end up with a growing number of older people who are assumed to be living in communal establishments. Um, and in considering housing supply, we have to consider that growth in people needing bed spaces in communal establishments. It's, as PPG says, for the council to determine how it is they're going to count that supply. Um, and forgive me, I'm not certain as to how it is it's being done here, but if the supply of bed spaces is to be counted against the OAN, or against the housing requirement for, for, for dwellings, then you need to make an allowance for that, or it can be counted just completely discreetly, whereby you've got a, a separate target and, and, and it's measured against that. So then the council can provide that provision in the plan? Yes. It's a sep very uh, separate. Um, but on the understanding that um, the, the provision of um, bed spaces and communal housing is contributing to housing supply, then it's necessary to take account of the growth in communal establishment population um, as I say, which is set out in, in figure 40 of the original SHMA, um, and at that time it identified a growth of 542 additional people in Uttlesford, um, so the, the number of, of communal housing resident, communal establishment residents would be higher. They're not counted in the household projections, um, and therefore you do need to make sure that they get counted. Um, it's not double counting. If you won't count them, then you'd be missing part of the growth. Thank you. If I could do, just do, sorry. Uh, help assist yeah. as well. Um, so in terms of how the council has uh, chosen to meet this need is as part of the overall housing requirement and paragraph uh, 3.61 in the, the draft plan uh, sets that out. Yes, so that quite clearly explains that, how that's been uh, accounted for, doesn't it? Did you want to say that, Ms. Fiddy? Thank you. Yes, on that, um, that's something that we picked up on as well. Um, it seems to add 504 um, dwellings when it's actually started with 504 people, um, which is, is that going to be 504 communal establishments? Or not, and the plan uh, doesn't seem to allocate the number of communal establishments that need to be built. So we just would need to be certain that if those 504 dwellings are counted in, that they are then built in the manner that, in the the manner that, that for required. the residents that yeah. were originally counted yeah. for. 504 so five-bedroomed houses or would not be good. <laughs> so um, it, that would be perhaps something that could be clarified as a probably only a small modification of the plan, but just to sort of clarify how many communal establishments are forecast to be required. Thank you. Yeah, that's quite a good point. And, and that 504, often those people live independent, you know, live in single households, don't they, rather than big families. So uh, I think we could pick that up in monitoring of the, the requirement to, ensure, to see how many are built over, over the years and, and pick that up against the, the requirement. Okay, I mean, it probably comes to um, the second stage of hearings, but whether we need to look at whether there needs to be a specific um, requirement for that 
particular type of housing. I haven't, I haven't gone that far yet, but in the, uh, I think Ms Worthington's been looking at those policies and things. But, um, yeah, whether we need to look at the mix and, um, or whether it needs a specific provision within one of the garden communities, I suppose, for, for those sorts of facilities, I sort of call extra care facilities, some of them aren't, some of them are... Um, Sort of I, I, I think certainly we can look at that. I think one would want to be careful that we wouldn't try to, in a sense, ring fence different bits of the overall housing requirement in absolute terms to get, in a sense, a numerical match no. in terms of the end result to what the statistical analysis is, because I think that would probably be sort of over trying to manage the yes. supply. But certainly in terms of a, set, um, a series of policies on housing mix that ensure effectively that the delivery meets the needs that have been identified is certainly something we need to look yes, at. Yes, and those, those um, demands can often be defined more clearly in terms of you know, discussion with, uh, outside of the um, ORS type of data, isn't it, as, in terms of what's arising and, um, from other um, local authority departments as well and, and, and things, isn't it? So. Quite correct. The SMAR does refer to needs for communal establishments in all four local districts. East Hearts did include it in their SMAR as a, as a reference figure, but didn't add it to their total of housing requirements. It was not added. This was accepted by the inspector, and their report has now been adopted. Their, their plan has now been adopted. So it wasn't added. In the draft plans for Epping, and Harlow, it's not even mentioned. It appears to me that Uttersford is quite unique, certainly in the small area and possibly in the country, for adding this requirement to its housing requirements. I can see no justification for it, and it's certainly out of step with its neighbours. It's the same schmar that covers those areas, isn't it? The covers all four areas and refers to numbers in all four areas, but the other three districts are not including them. I have to remind myself uh, of what East Hearts local plan says. I can do that over lunch. Yes, that's fine. So we'll come back to that um, after lunch. Um, Mr MacDonald, did you want to say something else? Yes, I'm sorry, but um, I have no problem with making provisions specifically for those type of people, but we shouldn't be adding them to the total people and the total households that we're trying to cater for because we've already established what the total number of households is. Well, I think is. Mr Lee's just explained why that is. There's no indication of where it's been deducted from the original calculation. It's just we seem to take the original calculation based on censuses, etc., and then added this on top. We've not deducted it, deducted it from the basic number in the first place. So we're double counting in my okay. view. OK, I hear what you said. I'm not sure we need to come back on that unless you particularly want to. I mean, I think the figure 40, which I referenced, shows how you separate the total population into the household population and the communal establishment population, um, and the household projections only deal with the household projection part of the population. They don't deal with the communal establishment part of the population, so we have separated them out, and we need to consider them separately. And that's common practice among all? It, it's, you, it's exactly the same approach as used by CLG in the household projections. And um, the, the approach in terms of communal establishments, I don't think has changed in terms of the ONS taking responsibility for it. Okay. Mr Miles. 
policy H O U six. Great thing of phones. <laughs> <laughs> it's policy H O U six of the adopted East Hearts district plan includes a separate target for meeting the communal establishment need. Sorry, you just repeat the number again. The H O U six. Six, right. Okay, it's coming up to, um, I think, has that covered everything? I don't think, I think we've probably done that one. It's coming up to 10 to 1. I'm just wondering about breaking for lunch now and having a slightly longer lunch because we, then we come on to the step trajectory and five-year uh, yeah, five housing land supply and things. And those are sort of connected points that I think it might be useful to deal with together rather than trying to start dealing with the trajectory in the next 10 minutes which I suspect will take longer um, it's probably better to Mr Bedford yeah, no, Madam I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that at all uh, but it may be helpful um, Mr Miles having looked at obviously the representations there were a couple of update points he wanted to deal with which are relevant to this afternoon's discussion right. okay. on supply and since I think it will only take him a couple of minutes to explain those points it might be helpful yes. to explain them before we adjourn so people at least have heard Absolutely. those and yeah. can think about those. So. That's an excellent idea and then people have a chance to uh, consider that. Do we need a table in front of us that we can scribble different numbers on or something? Or? Uh, I don't think so they're relatively simple. Right okay. Um, the first of these is in relation to a statement of common ground that we are working with uh, Braintree District Council on. Um, this is looking at, uh, among other things, updating the trajectory for the site and it has implications for the number of homes uh, delivered in the plan period in Uttlesford. The, the draft local plan had a, has a figure of 970 in the plan period for West of Braintree. The emerging figures, not yet agreed by both councils, but I want to... Um, 970 in the plan. Yeah, yeah. 970. It is uh, 330 less. So that would be 640 homes in the plan period over the same um, years, so from 2025-26 to 2033. To take account of the work that needs to be done before they can start potentially. Uh, the, the, the reason for this uh, emerging proposed change is um, because the trajectories before uh, of Uttlesford and Braintree added together added got to quite a high figure which we didn't think was what well, it looks like we are not going to be justifying and so we're coming to a more reasonable figure across the site. So you spread it over a longer period, effectively? No. Uh, beyond the plan period. Beyond the, yeah, yes. beyond the plan period. Yes. So, you, so each year you wouldn't cumulatively build as many houses as you were planning to do. That That's wasn't right. yes. seen as realistic, probably. No. Okay. So, it's, so just to be clear, it's 970 in the plan and it's likely to be 330 less in the, in the total box at the end. That's right, so 640. Yeah. And then the other figures in before that will presumably... But, but starting on the, at the same year. Starting at the same year, yeah. but maybe not, for example, 150 a year. We'd, no. That's still in work in progress, is it? Or? Uh, 
still work in progress. Right. Okay. Thank you. That's helpful. Is there any other? Uh, and the the second point is yeah. in relation to the question on windfall within the first five years, question number nine yeah. on the agenda. Um, looking back over the, uh, the windfall data and the, um, the latest council's position on supply, which is document number 1103.2, um, and, and reflecting on, on the, the submissions made by others, we think there is some double counting at the moment, and so for those, it was concerned about the early years, wasn't it? Particularly about the early years, yes. Um, so because the trajectory does not include a figure for permissions for five or less dwellings delivering five or less sites, we do not think there's any double counting of the sites of five or less dwellings. However, for sites of six or more, there, there is, and we suggest. Um, that if you look at paragraph 11 of that document I referenced, which I'll say again is 1103.2 is our trajectory in five-year land supply statement as of April last year. Yeah, that's this one with the... Paragraph 11 uh, sets out that there are 10 sites um, delivering 66 dwellings in total um, that we consider with this, uh, by including them in the trajectory there is, there's a bit of double counting there so we suggest that there needs to be uh, a subtraction of 66 dwellings from the trajectory reflecting those sites. We wanted to mention both of these now so people have the chance to yeah, that and that might deal with some people's concerns. They might. Uh, thank you for that. That's helpful. No, no doubt people will be busy with their calculators uh, <laughs> over the agenda. But if I can say, if you, if you simply make that adjustment of 66 dwellings, in terms of the five-year land supply discussion, which we'll yes. go on to have, it still comes out at above five years. Uh, I appreciate it reduces it to, a, I think, a surplus of 19 dwellings, but it is still above the five-year position as at the assumption dates that are set out in the calculations in the paper. So it will be 5 point something, it's, but not 5.1, is it? It's 5.03 something or other, it becomes. Okay. Thank you, that's helpful. It's probably saved some, uh, some discussion this afternoon as well. Okay, so it's 5 to 1, so we'll just have a slightly longer lunch break, particularly as I know people need to head off somewhere to get sandwiches and things. And we'll, um, we'll start again at 2 o'clock um, with the rest of the housing section. And then we will deal with the employment section, and then we'll deal with the gypsy and travellers last, so that allows people to go if they want to. Okay, thank you. No, she's got the network.